This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, guys. I'm coming to you with another solo episode here. We'll keep this one to about 20 minutes or under, so... You can really enjoy this maybe on the way to work when you're having a little me time. I wanted to share with you guys a really profound experience I had. I recently just got back from Nashville, Tennessee. I went to, well, I went to Memphis and then Nashville. And then in between, we went to this cute little town called Bolivar. I went to Tennessee to go visit my best friend Sloan, who recently just moved there, moved back home there. And it was coming off burnout, a concussion, healing my concussion, if you guys remember. And I really just needed to feel a sense of independence and expansion and aloneness and nature. I was craving all of that. And so Sloan and I concocted a beautiful itinerary of a little bit city a little bit country, and a little bit fun and wild. So we had like a few nights in a few different places. And I told her like, I really almost wanted to book a whole week stay at like a farm and like go rent a farm or sleep at a place that had animals. I don't know. I like was really craving nature. And so I demanded that I get my nature moment. So we went with her friend and we went to this little town called Bolivar where his family has this beautiful country family farm and they've had it in their family for, I think, I don't know, like seven to 10 years, if I recall. And they have a few horses We lovingly refer to them as pasture ponies, you know, some rescue horses, cute little nugs, and they have a beautiful property. It's all natural except for the house and one pasture. Aside from that, everything is like beautiful, rural, there's trails, there's a cute little farm or stable, just beautiful. It's bucked up next to a cow pasture and like cows are hilarious. I don't know if you guys like know about cows, but you definitely should go hang out with some cows. They like will look you dead in the eye and just like moo as loud as they can. And it doesn't sound like a cartoon. It sounds like a dinosaur. They all mooed at us at once, you guys. Like 300 or 400 cows just mooing, looking and sounding like damn Jurassic Park. It was insane. Anyways, um, so I really got my fill of like nature and animal, obviously. And while we were there, we decided to take an LSD trip. This LSD also is really special. It was passed down by a friend 
or to Sloane's friend by his cousin. It's supposedly part of the quote-unquote family's original acid and LSD. So that was really special, something that was like purposely, consciously passed around to spread consciousness, to spread the movement of healing and awareness, right? Like that was the whole purpose. So he's got his hands on this. He lovingly shares it with Sloan and I. The three of us, we take a trip. It was a profound experience. Before I dive into like the experience, I have to say a little context. I'm Native American. I'm also a lot of other things, but I've really hung on to the Native American aspect because it really resonated with me. I'm reclaiming it. Um, And with that, I still have all these other beautiful and complicated people in my ancestry. I mean, I literally have, I'm like a fifth generation Christian missionaries daughter. And like the original missionaries were pilgrims. I mean, talk about oppression. And then like my dad is a pastor and a missionary and I had a lot of resentment towards it. And then on the other side of the family, on my mom's side, they are Spaniard and a little bit Irish and a little bit Native American. And the Spaniards colonized South America, North America, right? So I've had a very complex relationship with my ancestry, holding on to the pieces that I like and rejecting the pieces I didn't like for a long time. That healing really began in the last year and a half, and I've seen it come to a really full circle moment with this story. Um, And so just keep that in context, right? Like I have a complicated relationship with my ancestry. So here we are on this beautiful little farm, which was built in the 1800s, has a fireplace, wood floors, creaky wood walls, like original wallpaper, like fabrics everywhere. It's just quaint and old. And then in between all of that are these beautiful Native American artifacts splattered across every inch of every wall. So cool. His mom and dad are really artsy. They have really good taste and they have all these really beautiful artifacts everywhere. And it turns out they're an Italian immigrant family. Worked really hard to get where they are, have an amazing story. And so this is kind of one of the things they accumulated and is the vision of their success, right? It represents their success. And so here we are, me, Native American, Spaniard, Filipino, Irish, all these things. Our friend, Italian immigrant family, and our friend Sloan. And Sloan is a beautiful white woman. If you guys know Sloan, she is from the South. She is blonde haired, blue eyed. And she has a really complex relationship with her ancestry. Now that you have context of who's sitting around this room um, and 
the ancestry that we've all come to the table with, you know, and Sloane's there in the South to rediscover her history and to reclaim it and to change the trajectory of her lineage as well, right? I wanted to add that. Um, so we're all there. We decide to take this beautiful LSD and surrounded by this, all these Native American artifacts. There's a piano. There's a fireplace, creaky wood everywhere. And in the foothills of Tennessee, this beautiful place called Bolivar. And also, this was also at the time of a really brutal police killing in Memphis. And the next day, the video was going to be released. So there was just a lot in my frame of reference and mindset. So we take this acid. We go on a beautiful hike around the property, about 45 minutes. We make our way back to the house and we're sitting there at the top of a hill, just looking out at the property, looking out across the little valley and the hills and it starts to kick in. It's feeling really good. I haven't taken acid since I was 16 years old. And I did a lot of it then, but I hadn't taken it since then. I had to like make sure I said goodbye to Samaya and Gabe before we took it. We took it at about 3 p.m. so that we could be in bed by about 1.30. It was a pro move, let me tell you. We were all asleep and in bed by 1.30 a.m. So we come inside. We build a fire. Our friend takes us on a musical odyssey. This man's taste in music was epic. Everything from Jim Croce to Bach. Then he played piano for us at some point. I mean, it was just one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had. So we're sitting around this fire on this musical odyssey, and I can't stop talking about like ancestry and about the fact that we're so privileged, each and every one of us, that our ancestors not only did the things that they did for us to be here, and they were all very different contributors, right? But we also are standing on the backs of so much work, so much healing, and still so much lack of healing, right? And we're experiencing that in our DNA, each and every one of us. But on a very real level, the veil was lifted and I could see it. I could see his ancestors. I could see her ancestors. I could see the pain, the hard work, the dreams that they didn't get to access, the dreaming for this that they wanted for themselves, right? This freedom, this space to be wealthy enough to not work for a whole week, all of us just taking time off and tripping on acid on a Tuesday. Like what a privilege, what an honor, right? And with that context and frame of mind, I, he, our friend played this song by Jim Croce. I wish I could remember it. Maybe I'll link it in the show notes for you guys if I could find it. But you know, Jim Croce writes really beautiful love songs. Sometimes they're sad and about longing and Sometimes they're really romantic. And they like disappeared for a little bit. And I was in the 
living room by myself. And I just started dancing, like as if I was holding somebody. I had like one hand up, one hand on my chest, like I was holding a lover. And I started dancing around the house in circles around the fireplace. And I started dancing with the house and I could hear her speak to me. And the message started like, thank you, I've missed you. You're dancing with every woman who's ever danced in this house. You're experiencing the every woman. Like I'm every woman, that amazing song, Whitney Houston. I was experiencing that. I started to experience that. And as I danced around this house, I just started bawling. I started crying. Just thinking about all the women who'd knelt before this fireplace, all the men, all the children that had danced through this house, all the memories. And then I started looking at the artifacts on the walls and envisioning all their memories and all their hopes and all their dreams and all their pain. And I started tapping into a higher consciousness and it was that of a woman's emotions, the collective consciousness of a woman's emotional experience through her life. And this journey went from like childhood adolescence to like longing for freedom and longing for love and longing for partnership and longing for family to 20-something. Maybe you're in that longing or maybe you achieved those things or maybe you're trying for children and you can't, right? All this grief, all this longing, all this dreaming, all this lusting after the next stage of life. And then I entered into having the partnerships that you desire, having the children that you desire, or maybe not having the children that you desire, but being more, you know, in midlife. And whatever it is that you'd created, all you're hoping for is for it to grow and not diminish. You're hoping that what happened was right at that moment, I opened the door to the house because it was hot in the living room from this beautiful fire. And we kept letting cool air in because it just felt so good. And so I swung the door open. And as I swung the door open, the light from inside the house and the light on the outside of the house shone out in into like the woods. And it was so visual because obviously psychedelics, but it was like a lit path, like a, a triangle that went out into the woods and down a path, like down the path that you walk down and then out into the woods. And as I swung this door open and hung myself hanging out the door, I had this flood of memory of every woman who's ever looked out the front door and longed for her children to come home, hoping they wouldn't die, hunter and gatherers, um, TP, old English houses. Like I, I had this flood of memory of every woman looking out the front door with those same hopes, dreams, fears, a sense of longing, a sense of resentment, a sense of joy, a sense of gratitude, like every single emotion that you could possibly imagine when you think of what it means to look out the front door as a woman, metaphorically and physically, right? And I brought it back inside the house and I continued dancing and they entered the room again and I started explaining this concept to Sloan. And I had to write it all down because it was so profound. And, you know, what do I do with this information? I started to ask myself, what does this all mean? 
Like I just tapped in to like this wild range of emotions that women get to experience as creators, as cultivators, as life givers, as life bearers. Whether or not you ever choose or cannot or can have children, you're still born with the gift to bear life. And like that great responsibility and great gift comes with so much complexity. Like, what do I do now that I've tapped into it? And the message was, when you heal yourself, you heal every woman. And when you embrace yourself, you embrace every woman. And those two things are what changed the trajectory of a generation are what change the trajectory and break the chains of your lineage. It's that. It doesn't have to always look like advocacy. It doesn't have to always look like healing the world through your gifts. It looks like taking that internal responsibility and honoring our female journey, our woman's journey, whatever that looks like for you. It's honoring the range of emotions and recognizing There's not a place that you will arrive to that is a plateau. So stop wishing for it. Stop hoping for some success or some outside measure to say that you've arrived and you've made it. It doesn't exist. The woman's journey is a path of longing guided by desire and fear. That choice is up to to us. And it's what we do with that cosmic energy, that life force energy of creation that we are gifted with, we were born with. It's what we do with that that matters. So I hope that I've landed. I hope that you enjoyed hearing about my psychedelic experience. And there's going to be more to come on this. I feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg of what I'm getting to embody. I'm proud to be a woman. I'm proud to have that life force. I'm proud to have the complexity of emotion that is sometimes depression, sometimes anxiety, sometimes fear, sometimes joy, love, abundance, gratitude, overflowing. It's wide. It's deep. It's a roaring, raging river. It's a still, quiet lake. But she is always water. She is ever-flowing, ever-changing. I used to always say as a yoga teacher, be like water. She always knows what to do. She'll rise through the roots of the trees. She'll come down like rain. She'll rush like a river, rushing through rocks around rocks. She'll freeze like ice. She'll melt into a puddle like spring. So be like water. Embrace your emotions. Embrace the gift that you are a life giver. You did not come to this earth to be stagnant. You came to be ever-changing, to flow like water and be like a season. And just to honor that. I did get the download that I will be hosting a psychedelic retreat with this knowledge in mind, with this intention in mind, to be continued. Sign up for my newsletters if you ever want to hear about that. I don't know when that will be, but I did get the hit that that's going to happen. I saw the visual. 
So I hope you've enjoyed this journey and I'm grateful to share it with you. I'm grateful I was gifted this gift of vision. I'm grateful for our friend who didn't quite understand what I was talking about because he's a man. And, you know, we're like super spiritual over here and thinking in terms of ancestry and healing generations and all of that. Such a beautiful gift that he gave me though. And let me tell you, I ugly cried when he played Bach on the piano. Like, nothing, no one I had ever heard. I'm eternally grateful. I cry thinking about it. I'm eternally grateful for Sloan and for the work she is doing in her world, in her lineage, in her ancestry. I'm grateful for our friend who's doing the same. He is doing the healing. And that's the conscious evolution that we're here for, you guys. That's rebellious reinvention. Stay tuned for my favorite things. Thank you, guys. Every week, we have a reoccurring segment. I share my favorite things, tangible products to use, things to walk away with above and beyond the, beyond the inspiration of these conversations. Think, who could we be if we just dedicated ourselves to our highest good, to our highest evolution? Deep and relentless healing and being radically responsible to what we are contributing to the collective consciousness. What? would happen. It is not easy, and I don't claim that. But I'm telling you, I'm getting to the point in my life where I feel like that is my only duty, and that is my only responsibility. I'm loving the saying lately, when when one woman heals, she makes space for others to do the same. Do join my email list. I will be launching some very special ways to work with me very soon, like in the next few weeks, months. And I don't want you to miss it. If you are into healing, recreation, reinvention, microdosing, all of the things, it's happening soon. So just stay on this email list. You'll get news about the podcasts that are coming out weekly. You will get news about in-person events here in Miami. You will get news about online experiences that I'm creating and you will not regret it. So you want to be on that email list. And lastly, shop. You guys know I love my caffeine and coffee. Hello, I'm from Miami. But I really recognize that it doesn't agree with my mental health. Spiking all day, not being able to sleep at night, it just sends me on highs and lows. So that's why I drink lots of tea. Specifically, I love matcha. Dr. Andrew Wild created the Center for Integrative Medicine, and he also created matcha.com. He's also a huge psychedelic advocate, so we love him. My favorite matcha comes from them. It is made in Japan, obviously. That's where matcha is from. It is sourced from Japan, I should say. And it's a natural source of L-theanine. It helps with cognitive function and maintaining attention under stress. That's why monks love matcha. Um, you can use my code Danielle Bigby to get 10% off. And also if you're in the mood for a little, uh, mushroom coffee, they have that there as well. Um, I recommend the energizing blend. It has added adaptogens and superfoods like lion's mane, reishi, and ashwagandha. I'm sorry. It's not coffee. It's matcha with mushrooms. It's called the energizing blend. So you guys get on that. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share. And if you're feeling extra generous, write a review. 
I read every one of my reviews and I will soon be reading them aloud on this podcast. Signing off rebelliously and relentlessly. And don't forget, question everything. Everything.